So I decided, I was, you know, what should I do? What should I do? And I, I thought to myself, you know, I have never really preached on Psalm 23, at least not in a normal Sunday morning service. I've used this uh, beautiful psalm for funerals and, and different occasions like that, but never just, you know, really looking at this psalm in depth. And... Um, so it's time. It's time. I mean, of all the 150 psalms that there are in the Bible, um, this is by far the most well-known, I, I would think. And I think maybe one of the most beloved and treasured. Uh, some of you probably remember this psalm being, being read at a special occasion in your family, um, being read in, 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 in worship services. And, and, and um, so we want to look at it today. What, what is this psalm uh, saying to us in, in this moment, at this time? Now, a couple things. I'm going to read the psalm in just a few moments. Um, but a couple things that you need to understand. First of all, uh, this is a psalm of David. And um, David... If, if you know him a little bit, if you know a little bit of his story, he grew up in the hill country around Judea in a place called Bethlehem. Beth, which means house, and Lechem, which means bread. Um, now, there was a lot of bread in Bethlehem, but there were also a lot of sheep there. In fact, David grew up tending sheep and so the, the metaphor that he's using in this psalm is not just something that he, he thought, oh, that would be lovely. Uh, no, it's, it's, it's something that he's very familiar with. Now, what he's writing in this psalm is based on his own experience as a shepherd. And um, actually, if you've never read it, there's a, there's a wonderful, wonderful book out there that you can pick up. Um, in fact, it might be great reading for you this summer. Um, it's this book. If we just flip over the slide. Um, a Shepherd Looks at Psalm 23 by W. Philip Keller, and uh, he does a marvelous um, work looking at this psalm through the eyes of someone who's actually shepherded sheep. And I have to tell you, some of the ideas um, in this message I borrowed from, from his book, but, but pick it up yourself. It's, it's, it's a great read. The second thing I want you to know before I read the psalms is that David is likely an older man as he writes this psalm. Now, do I know that for sure? No, no. We don't actually have a lot of sort of um, background information on each psalm, on the, on the context of each psalm. But, but the voice of this psalm is, is someone who has experienced some life, some, some good times and some bad times, some ups and downs. This is a person who's had some mountaintop experiences, but also, also spent some time in the valley. And of course, if you know something of David's story, that, that's very true, right? If you read about him in First and Second Samuel, um, you'll find out all about that. And, and we get this sense in the course of this psalm that David is, is, is reflecting on his own, his own kind of life journey and, and, and what he's been through in his relationship with the Lord. So now let me read the psalm for you. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right path for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup 
overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Now, the the main idea of this psalm, if you've never heard it before or read it before, is that you have a shepherd. You have a shepherd, a good shepherd. No matter how alone you might feel from time to time, no matter how many times um, you feel like you've lost your way in life, what this psalm is saying is the, the reality is that there is a God in heaven who knows you and who loves you and who invites you to follow him. What's more, there, there's a kind of a a prophetic edge to David's words because, of course, they anticipate the work and the person of Jesus. Jesus, who with with full knowledge of the importance that this psalm had in the spiritual life of, of, of the nation of Israel, when he was here physically, he declared, I am the good shepherd. He said, I, I'm the manifestation of everything that David wrote about. Now, this morning, I want to look at, at five things that our good shepherd provides as we, as we kind of go through the psalm. And they all just happen to start with P so that you'll remember. Uh, the first one is this, provision. Provision. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. Now, now it might seem like D- David is being a little over the top in terms of how he starts this psalm. I mean, I lack nothing? I mean, is that what David is, is really saying? If, if, if I follow Jesus, I will lack nothing. Well, I don't know about you, but, but from time to time, I can think of a few things that were lacking in my life, right? And some of you this morning might be in a place of need, right? Some of you may need a job. Uh, Some of you may need God to bring some healing in your life. Some of you are in over your head financially. Some of you are longing for a life partner or or children or, or something else. All of us from time to time find ourselves lacking something. And of course, there are some folks who preach, um, and even based on this psalm, Psalm 23, they say it's right here in the Bible, God does not want us to lack anything. So what you've got to do is you've got to name it and claim it. The reason you don't have is because you don't ask. But that's not, it's not what David is talking about. But what David is talking about is that through his life, God has, has constantly been providing for him. You see, if, you, if you've ever been to Israel, and I had a chance to go uh, several years back, you know that it's a very arid climate, all right? We, we read this psalm and we tend to think of sheep like, you know, bedded down in just like, you know, mounds of alfalfa, Okay? But that's really a misunderstanding of the psalm because, because it's, it's an arid place. There's a not, not a lot that grows there. And so it's important, you know, part of the, the shepherd's job was to find green pastures for the sheep so, so that the sheep could eat. That's what's happening in this psalm. And, and, and I'm going to talk more about this later. But, but David is simply saying, in the, at the start of the psalm, he's saying, throughout my life, Throughout my life, the Lord has been so good to me. 
The Lord has been so good to me. He's provided for me in so many ways. He's been leading my life so that, that I lack nothing that's essential. Yes, he's saying there were, there were some hard times in, in my life, and later on he talks about valleys, and, but, but, but in the grand scheme of things, David is saying, I, I've been like a sheep who every time I look down in my life, I find myself in green pastures with something to eat. I'm being provided for. You know, it's so easy for us to focus on what we don't have in life, isn't it? And, and it's so very easy for us to start to complain. Um, here's a few actual texts compiled by people in relation to their vacations. Now, keep in mind, keep in mind that, that for the vast majority of the world, they don't even get to go on vacation, all right? So one person writes, Dear Carnival Cruise Lines, what? No Wi-Fi? We are not on speaking terms. How about this second one? You can just tell this is some teenage gal. Um, I just got back from the boring trip my dad made me take this spring. I told him, Dad, I've been to the Bahamas a billion times. Just had my praline spread confiscated by TSA at Dulles. As far as I'm concerned, the terrorists have now won. And this last one I really like. Ugh, I really hate flying. To, I really hate having to fly commercial with both ski boots and golf clubs. It's such a pain, right? I mean, first world problems, right? But, but it's so easy for us to slip into this way of thinking. The other day, I was in a coffee shop, and they didn't have any Splenda. And I just happened to like Splenda. I thought to myself, I'm never going to be back to this coffee shop again, right? And we're just, we're just like that. We're like that. And as a kind of an antidote to this way of thinking, you know, David starts this psalm with gratitude, right? Because remember, he's kind of, he's kind of, this psalm sort of, sort of charts the journey of his life, and he's, he's looking at the big picture of his life, and he's saying, you know, when I, I look at the big picture, I see, I see that, that, that I've been so incredibly blessed, blessed beyond belief. The pastures in my life have been so green. So listen, if you ever get grumpy, Okay, and we all get grumpy from time to time. And you start focusing on what you don't have. Again, first world problems. Just pull out this psalm and meditate on these first few lines. And remember the goodness of the Lord in your life. The second thing our good shepherd provides is this. Peace. Peace. Philip Keller, the shepherd, notes, When sheep are thirsty, they become restless and set out in search of water. And if they're not led to a good water supply that's clean and pure, they'll often end up drinking from polluted potholes where they pick up such internal parasites as nematodes, liver flukes, and other diseased germs. Sheep, sheep, unlike, say, camels and other animals that can exist in arid climates, um, they need a consistent and clean source of water, else they will get sick and die. And this is why, as much as it's important for the shepherd to find green pastures, it's also important for the shepherd to find clean water, a good source of water. And this is part of the reason, I think, that Jesus calls himself the good shepherd because when he was here, he, he made it clear that, that, that the thirsty souls of men and women, and we all have thirsty souls in different ways, that, that ultimate thirst that we have inside ourselves can only ever be quenched, be satisfied by drawing, by, by drawing on Jesus himself. 
In fact, he's very explicit about this. In Matthew 5 or 6, he says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. At the great feast in Jerusalem, he declared boldly, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. The difficulty in all this is that that we who are thirsty for God... And that's, of course, inside every one of us, right? We're all searching and seeking in different ways. Often we we look to other things to to fill us, right? And we're tempted, like sheep, instead of drinking from the the one thing that we really need, to, to drink from dirty pools. Often that will make us sick, right? Any dirty pools in your life right now? Places that you're going to to, to, try to to try to quench your thirst for God, but it's, it's kind of, if the truth be told, just making you sick. St. Augustine of Africa, he summed it up so well when he wrote, Oh God, thou hast made us for thyself. We are made for you, he's saying, and our souls are restless. Or he would say thirsty, searching till they find the rest in thee. Now, now, David knows this, and David has experienced this in his life, and in looking from the standpoint of, of his sheep, he wrote, he leads me beside quiet waters. In him, David is saying, my soul's thirst is quenched. And I have this peace inside me because I don't have to just strive all the time. Tell me, do you have some places in your life where you go to get spiritually nourished in the Lord? You know, it won't happen by osmosis. You know, you have to choose to come and and quench your thirst in the presence of God now, I'm an early riser, and one of the things I do from time to time is I, even when it's just, just starting to get light, and, and I can do this more easily in the summertime, because it's not cold either, uh, but just go for a walk and spend some time thinking and meditating and giving God thanks for a new day. How about you? Where's, that, where's the quiet waters in your life? You need them, right? You really do. Third thing that the good shepherd provides. David writes, He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You need to know that the sheep are notorious creatures of habit. If left to themselves, they will follow the same trail until they become ruts. They will graze the same hills until they have turned to desert wastes, pollute their own ground until it's corrupted with disease and parasites. Many of the world's finest sheep ranges have been ruined beyond repair by overgrazing poor management and indifferent or ignorant sheep owners. This is what Keller writes in his book. And this is why sheep need to move around quite a bit when, when they're grazing. They need to move from one grazing area to the other. 
Now, in ancient Israel, and this is still true today, you can, you can visit there, um, a shepherd would have a home ranch, right? They would have a home place where, especially in the wintertime, they would keep the sheep. And then it was often important to feed the sheep, um, not just grass, but, but other, other items to improve their diet. But as the, as the winter snows receded, um, what would happen is, especially up in the mountains, and, and Israel is very mountainous, is, is the snow would recede and, and, and grass would start to grow. And, and shepherds, what they would do at that time is they would lead their sheep up into the high mountain plateaus. And there were some of the, some of the best grass, right? And this is a... It's a very significant time in the life of a, of a shepherd and sheep because when the shepherd goes away from the home ranch, so to speak, and goes up to the high mountain plateaus, it's, it's just him and the sheep, or just her and the sheep, right? And they form a very intimate bond with each other. This is why, why David, knowing this, having experienced this with his sheep, he switches to a personal pronoun to describe God. Now it's not, God is with me. No. He starts saying, you are with me. Your rod and staff, they comfort me. Now you need to know, because this is implicit in the Psalms, is that one of the things that separated, that separated bad shepherds from good shepherds is that a good shepherd would always go out in advance and scout where they wanted to go, right? They would choose the paths and the way to get up to the high mountain plateaus that would be safest for the sheep, right? So that as much as possible, they would keep them safe, uh, places free from poison uh, plants, rock slides, avalanches, floods, wild animals, and, 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 and the like. And this is precisely why David writes of God, the good shepherd. He says, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. In other words, I trust you, God. I know that you are protecting me. I know that you are leading me. I know that you know where you're going. Now, it's important to understand that, it, that a shepherd, even a good shepherd, cannot protect their sheep from the journey itself. And every mountain has its valleys. It, its sides are scarred by deep ravines and gulches and draws, and, and the best route to the top of the mountain is always, always along these valleys, right? Any sheep man or sheep woman familiar with the high country knows this. He leads his flocks gently but persistently up the paths that wind through valleys, and sometimes dark valleys. This is why David writes, even though I walk to the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. It's not, it's not because the valleys aren't dark that David fears no evil. It's because he trusts the shepherd. He trusts where the shepherd is leading him. And this is, this is so important in understanding um, what David is getting at here. Listen, friends, in inviting us to make him our good shepherd, Jesus is not promising us a life without pain or, or, or problems, right? Like any shepherd, Jesus cannot protect you from the journey itself. We live in, in, a, in a broken and dangerous world. What did Jesus say? In this life, you will have trouble, right? 
But what Jesus is promising us is that he knows, he knows where he's going. And he's leading you to higher ground. You know, very often, um, this psalm is read at funerals. I remember a few years back, I preached on Psalm 23 at Milton, Milton Hogg's funeral. Now, you might wonder, well, what sort of protection is this if, if, if death is still a possibility, right? Well, well, two things, two things. First of all, remember this. Remember that for those of us who belong to Jesus, death itself is not the end. But, but merely the door into a deeper and more intimate relationship with God, right? Death is a dark valley, no doubt. And any one of us who have experienced it in our own families or amongst friends, it's, it's, it's a horrible thing. But if we know and love the Lord, it's a door that opens up our lives into eternity with Jesus. And that's a good thing. Second, even in death, Jesus, our good shepherd, has gone before us. And he has showed us in the most powerful way possible that the valleys can be crossed. This is why over and over again after his resurrection from the dead, what does he tell his disciples? He says, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Because I have defeated your greatest enemy, the greatest evil. Death itself has been defeated. And now you don't need to fear anymore. I, I've crossed the valley. I've been to the other side. Follow me. Trust me. By the way, this is precisely why people will often say that it's, it's not at the home ranch, so to speak, where everything's predictable and everything's safe, right? That, that folks tend to grow in their relationship with the Lord. No, it's precisely when God leads them through difficult places and circumstances that they grow the most spiritually. It's when they have to trust the shepherd, right? Did you know that when sheep go up to the high mountain, the high plateaus, and they start eating the grass up there, right? And they get the exercise from the climb up, that's when the sheep are the most healthy, right? And, and, and in that moment, they have the most intimate relationship with the shepherd. So if you're going through something right now, okay, cry out to the Lord. That's okay. But, but don't just cry out. Ask for God's presence. And, and in the midst of the trouble, choose to trust in Jesus. Choose to trust in your good shepherd. There's so much more I could say in this um, about the rod and the staff of the good shepherd because this is the way that, that the shepherd both protects the flock from, from predators and other dangers, right? And, and in, in, in the Middle East, um, they have these rods right in there. They're very skillful with them, right? They can throw them and very, very accurately hit things, okay, and do damage. So there's that rod which protects the flock, and then there's, the, um, and then there's also... Uh, the staff, right? The shepherd's staff, which, which keeps the sheep in line, right? We have a good shepherd 
that knows sometimes we need some guidance. And we, we need to get, when we go off the path, to get back on the path. But we got to move on. The fourth thing that the shepherd provides is protection and providence. Protection and providence. That's two Ps in one. Next, David writes in the psalm, You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. And I have to admit that when I, uh, whenever I read the 23rd Psalm growing up and I got to this part, um, I right away in my mind went to this idea of, of God, you know, preparing a banquet table for us. And, and in the ancient Middle East, they used to anoint people with oil. And so I thought about, oh, you're getting anointed with oil and your cup overflows with the best wine, right? Now, it's quite possible that David is mixing metaphors as he's, as he's leading up to the end of the poem because there he's talking about dwelling in the house of the Lord forever. And, and I, I don't know about you, but I'm expecting there's going to be a banquet or two. But, but what David is more likely referring to is two other things that a good shepherd does for his flock or her flock. Um, when David talks about the Lord preparing a table for him in the presence of his enemies, he's talking about another function of the shepherd. Remember, the, the shepherd would go up and they would, they would scout out a good place for their sheep to be, right? And, and those high mountain um, plateaus were, were, were often called mountain tables, right? That's where the grass would grow, grow because that's where the water would accumulate. And so when David's talking about preparing a table, he's talking about the function of a shepherd who goes up to these mountain tables and, and pulls out noxious plants, right? Or, or, or maybe takes care of a, of a snake's nest or two and makes sure that this is a, is a good environment for the sheep. He's preparing a table, right? And then there's this anointing my head with oil part. And this, too, is the function of a shepherd. You see, sheep's, sheep are very social animals, and they will often rub their heads with each other to the point that there will be tiny abrasions and cuts in the skin, right, at the top of their heads. And it's here where insects and disease can impact the flock because one, once one sheep gets an infection, right, they all get an infection. So this picture, for example, shows you how a sheep would be anointed with a mixture of olive oil, sulfur, and various spices, okay? So, um, did the sheep like this, by the way? No, sheep do not like this, all right? But it's necessary for them to be healthy. And, and can I just say this? What David is driving at here is there's all sorts of ways that God is protecting you and, and providing for you in ways that you aren't even fully aware of, right? You know, sometimes uh, something happens in our life or, or doesn't happen in our life, and, and in that moment, it seems so, so random and unexplainable, and we can get really upset about it, right? Because we think, well, this is the, obviously this was the right thing for God to do in my life. Why didn't he do it? Or why, is, why am I having these problems? You know, we don't get the job that we expected to get. Or, or, or one of our kids doesn't get married to the person we thought they were going to get married to. Or a close friend gets transferred and has to move out of town. Or, or, or we don't make the team. And, and 
these moments are very difficult for us, and we, and, and we can grump around with, with the Lord. Yet oftentimes, if we look back on our life, in, in hindsight, we realize that God actually has a plan for our lives. And if this thing would have happened, then this other thing wouldn't have happened, right? Are, are you with me? See, you've got to understand that, that God sees things from a different perspective. He sees things from the perspective of the shepherd. He knows what's good for you. He knows how to keep you healthy, but some of the things that you have to go through sometimes don't feel so good in the moment. No sheep likes getting their head anointed with oil. They'd rather be doing something else. We don't like it when, when God leads us into places and spaces in our lives that are uncomfortable. But we have to learn that, that, that our good shepherd has a plan for our lives, right? What does Jeremiah say? For I know the plans I have for you, not to hurt you, but to prosper you, right? You see, it's important to understand the providence of the good shepherd. Now, we can get really messed up about this sort of thing if we think too much about it. You know, is it God's plan? Is it our plan? And then throw human sin into the mix, and, and it gets really complicated in a hurry. But I believe in God's providence, and I've experienced God's providence in my life. And so if you're going through something difficult that feels difficult, again, trust the shepherd. Trust what he's doing in your life. There's an old hymn, and I sing it sometimes with the old folks um, when I preach every other week across the road. It's called, He Leadeth Me. It's an old song. And I love the, the language, even though it's a bit archaic. You'll, you'll get it. He leadeth me. Oh, blessed thought. O oh, words with heavenly comfort wrought. Whate'er I do, whate'er I be, still tis God's hand that leadeth me. He leadeth me, he leadeth me, by his own hand he leadeth me. His faithful follower I would be, for by his hand he leadeth me. God is leading your life. In ways sometimes you don't even see or understand, but trust it. Final thing that the good shepherd gives us. Final P, paradise. Paradise. David concludes um, his psalm this way. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And, and I love this line. Surely... Your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life because um, sometimes what would happen in, 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 in moving a flock of sheep forward is sometimes the, the shepherd would, would lead the flock, but sometimes the shepherd would also go behind the flock to drive the flock, right? But of course, it was always because he wanted to protect the flock. It was, it was his goodness and his, and his mercy that would, that would push the sheep along the path where they needed to go. And, and, and he's leading them somewhere good, right? And David talks about this. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That's where my life is headed. That's where this journey will end. I mean, this psalm opens with the proud, joyous statement, the Lord is my shepherd. Now it closes with, with 
an equally positive, buoyant affirmation, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Here is a sheep so utterly satisfied with its lot in life, so, so fully connected with the care it receives, so much at home with the shepherd that there's not a shred of desire for change. Stated simply, and any sheep in the right mind would, would say this, nothing will ever make, make me leave this outfit. It's great. Equally on the shepherd's side, there has developed such a great affection and devotion to the flock that the shepherd would never, never think of leaving his sheep, the ones that he knows and loves by name. Healthy, contented, productive sheep are his delight and his profit. These bonds now are so strong that in truth, they will last forever. You know, sometimes we get some weird ideas of heaven or, or paradise, right? We tend to think of it as the ultimate five-star hotel where all our needs are met 24-7, right? Sometimes we, we think of it as a place of perfection where, where the potatoes will never burn or we'll shoot the perfect golf game every time. Sometimes we think of it as an eternal worship service. And I love to worship, but I really hope it's not an eternal worship service, okay? But, but, but that, that's not where David is going. That's not the image that he wants to evoke in you. And, and that's not where the Bible is going in general. What, what David is, he's not talking specifically about the space or the house or the size of the house or, or how many rooms you get or how full your cup, cup will be. He's talking about being with the Lord. Having that, that connection that's so close and not ever being able to lose it again. He's talking about being perfectly contented and loved by a God who, whose love for us is unending. That's the promise of heaven. I don't know what it's going to look like. No eye is seen, no ear is heard, the apostle Paul tells us. But this we know, and David is he's getting at this. I in that place, will be at home with the Lord, right? Think of your best memories of home. Think of your best memories of home, David's saying. The intimacy, the love will be so deep and rich and wonderful that it'll be beyond anything we can even imagine because we'll be with the Lord. And my prayer is, as you go through the journey of your life, because every one of us will go through a kind of a Psalm 23 in our lives, there'll be times of, of, of contentment, there'll be times of green pastures, there'll be times of dark valleys, there'll be times of difficulty, we'll get old, we'll, it, all these things will happen to us, the same things that happened to David. My prayer is that your journey will end in the house of the Lord. And the way to make sure that happens is to follow Jesus, your good shepherd, today. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this beautiful psalm, which we've heard read probably many, many times if we've been a Christian for a while. But 
Thank you for making it fresh for us again this morning and for reminding us that we have you, that we don't have to wander aimlessly in this world, but we can follow a good shepherd that loves us, that knows where he's going, and that's leading us home. We just, we want to declare that we trust you this morning, Lord. We trust you. Despite all the circumstances of our life, we trust you. Lead us, Jesus. Lead us home. We pray in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen.